and everybody has it back again. Don't take no mess at the rose garden. Jesus, they're on fire. They're what we desire. The men in black can handle it. Other teams can scrapple it. How they win that game today? There's just one thing you can say. How does somebody shoot that three? Believe it, it ain't easy. How did Brian jump so sweet? Believe it, it ain't easy. It's the flying dot that's in your lap. His humor is terrific. It shows great compassion on the floor, uh, on the microphone for uh, the players that are on the floor and the coaches and has a true understanding, players only type understanding, I think, of, you know, what they're going through and so forth. And, uh, yeah, he's he's come a long way in a very short period of time. Uh, you know, I did some games with him on the Pac-12 network, and I could tell then he was going to be pretty good. Uh, it, I'll tell you a quick story about Lamar when after the uh, – after Paul Allen made a decision to move on and change uh, the broadcast and uh, Mike and Mike were no longer with the broadcast mm-hmm. um, and they reached out to me to ask if I'd be interested in talking to them. And then I took the opportunity with the Blazers. We then were faced with a situation. All right, who can we put in that other seat? And uh, it never and I'm, I'm ashamed to say this, but it just never occurred to me that Lamar Hurd would be the guy. And the reason was I was so stuck into the old thinking of it's got to be uh, an, an ex-NBA name, mm-hmm. a name guy, or it's got to be a coach who's, you know, bounced from job to job and now is in broadcasting, has probably had two or three broadcasting jobs. So we were looking at those types of people and – you know, no one wanted to. Well, no one wanted to make the commitment to do all 82 games. We had a kind of a patchwork where you could put three or four different guys together. And but you you don't want to do that. You want to have it be consistent. You don't want to do that. I mean, I've done that before. We did that in Seattle for a number of years, and you get you know a variety of voices, and all these guys are good, but none of them really want to make the commitment to the broadcast and to do the broadcasting, and, and more importantly, uh, to the community to come stay in the community, work in the community, do the other things that you you know, you, you need to do. And um, to their credit, I think it was Jeff Curtin uh, was contact, our director of broadcasting was was a contact, or maybe Dan Hyatt, our producer, by, by Lamar and his people. And we got him in and uh, they put Lamar and I in a booth uh, at Moda and set us down. And we did, uh, I think it was the Warriors and the Cavs, the championship, uh, the world championship that had, happened that summer in the summer of 16 which by the way i had done on radio on espn radio with ub brown so he and i did the game we did a recreation we did about 15 minutes and i remember dan hyatt getting on the microphone uh our feedback to us and saying hey that was terrific well you want some more no we can do some more here no 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 i think we got it i've seen enough you could hear it in his voice so you know what you know what that kind of reminds that kind of reminds me of this is obviously like a totally different level of you know that type of thing. But I remember the the story of, uh, I think this was on Woj's podcast years ago. He had uh, Sonny Vaccaro, the former uh, sneak, the you know, the longtime sneaker executive, yeah. who's like one of the, you know, influential guys kind of in that end of the business. And he was talking about how in the early uh, 2000s, somebody sent him a VHS tape of like, you know, there's this kid in high school in Ohio 
who might be the next, uh, you know, might be the next, you know, the next hot yeah. prospect. And then it was, so he was sent like a VHS tape of like a Saint, one Saint Vincent, Saint Mary's yeah. game. He watched one quarter and he's like, okay, I've seen enough. I don't need to watch any more of this. Well, you know, the thing is they could have looked at the, uh, they could have looked at any of those Pac-12 tapes that he didn't. And, and, and How many and, of those yeah. games did you guys do together? The that's why I, that's why I say I'm just so ashamed that, you know, realize that and now looking back, like, you know, I never, it never even occurred to me. So you really have to broaden uh-huh. your, your uh, you know, taught me a lesson. Hey, we're all learning. Uh, yeah. You know, if you stop learning, you, you, you know, you're not going to advance, but yeah. Um, yeah. I, 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 how many games I did, I, you know, I don't know, probably half dozen games, you know, because that was the thing about the Pac-12. You never had a, a, a you never had the same producer, director, crew, analyst, nothing. Uh, you're just, you're just kind of bouncing. And, but it was a great experience. I think Lamar would tell you a phenomenal experience. Uh, and to this day, we have, you know, he has many friends. I've got friends there at Pac-12 Network as well. They did, they did a great job with what they had. Um, so, after after we get this tape put down, uh, they presumably send it immediately to Paul Allen. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and we got the okay, uh, no comment. Uh, so just said, yeah, this is this is it. This is Lamar's our guy. Yeah. And of course, Brooke Olsendam had been here, uh, I think, two years previous to that, doing some other projects. They moved her up into that role as the the sideline reporter, and she has been phenomenal as yes. well. The way she has fit. Uh, so I, I really was blessed in that first swing of things coming out here, uh, down to Portland to do the, to the broadcast on television, to be blessed with, uh, you know, just terrific people around me, uh, whether it be, uh, you know, Brooke or Lamar or, uh, our producer, Dan Hyatt or our director, uh, Jeff Curtin and, and the crew, of course, is, is phenomenal. Uh, they were, they were always known around the league, the broadcasting crew here in Portland as being cutting edge uh-huh. uh, because they would travel they travel any number of people uh, camera people uh, technical people and so forth i mean it was a it was a caravan uh, that they would they would travel uh, the only other team that i can recall doing those types of things were the uh, sue stratton who was the longtime producer of chick hearns broadcast in la they would always bring a big group as well of technical people and uh, handheld camera people and so forth um, so it was, you know, it was, it was a big deal. It was a big deal, uh, to land down here in Portland when I did. Well, I think part of that is also just that the Blazers are one of the handful of teams. I don't know how many there are off the top of my head. It has to only be two or three that actually own their own broadcast and don't just like contract that part of it out to the regional sports network. Like they actually, all that stuff is in house. So that might be why they travel so many people. Yeah, Let me ask you this, like, and that's, and that's probably why that they, they don't do it as much anymore is because imagine the cost. It's the overhead, right? I mean, that's, that's why there was the whole thing. And I'm not going to make yeah. you talk about this, but there was the whole thing this summer where they were maybe not going to send you guys on the right. road at all. And then that like, uh, yeah, but I, I, one more thing on the current broadcast, then I want to get back to Bill a little bit, but how has it been for you with, you know, th- this year they've introduced uh, Corey Jazz, the analytics kind yeah. of analyst insider into the broadcast to kind of give some of the more advanced, like, how has that been? You know, you're a, you know, you've been around the NBA a long time. You, you know, obviously did it a certain way for a long time and, you know, right. incorporating that kind of stuff and like these second spectrum numbers that he's putting out there and some of the visual stuff, that's right. got to be kind of new for you as somebody who's been in the business for decades. How has that been for you? Uh, like that adjustment and kind of that. God, here's my spotting chart. For those of you who are listening to this on audio, Kevin's holding up uh, 
like a like a, it's a totally old school like sheet of old, notes about oh, yeah old old is the old is the word it's an old Manila envelope as well uh-huh. legal size that I do all my notes on yeah um, but I tell you you know the great the great Marv Albert you see Marv show up for a game he's got scraps of notes he's got notebooks he's got everything is handwritten I did a game once with Marty Glickman yeah who again is supposed to be like the originator of all this stuff that we do on radio play-by-play for basketball Syracuse University the old New York Knicks the great Marty Glickman a tremendous voice mm-hmm. we're doing an NCAA game this is like 1980-81 I'd gotten some freelance work with Learfield Communications and they have sent me to Tennessee to do a tournament game big deal it's a big deal doing an NCAA tournament game and they are playing they're playing two games that afternoon in Tennessee, and I do the first. And then in the second, I'm supposed to keep stats for Marty Glickman. So he, he hears my broadcast, and he gives me a few pointers, which was terrific. And then he, he whips out his stat sheet, <laughs> which was a note, a piece of notebook paper with the names written by hand on both columns, height, weight, year, number, that was it. He had no stats. And I asked him about that. And he said, you know, on radio, we're, we're describing the smell of the popcorn, mm-hmm. um, what's going on at the bench, the interchange between player and coach, the screen and roll, the basics of what's going on on the floor. He says, I don't want to be encumbered with all that other stuff, he said, which was interesting because I thought, yeah, assist to turnover ratio would be kind of nice to talk about, you know, with some right. of these, you know, something as basic as that. So you're always the point of that story is you're always building. You're always building on what the other guy has done before, what has worked great for him, what has sounded, you know, how can I make that a little bit better? And I think that's what, you know, what Corey adds to the broadcast is, you know, I, he said, you know, the days of just looking at the box score, he says, are over. Uh, I remember the, our first meeting I have with Corey, you know, you just, it's just don't look at the box score. You know, we've, we've got to look at some other things. Now there's, you know, certain things in the box score you, you have to relay, I think, to fans without question. But his point was, and it was well taken by me, it resonated was, you know, they're just numbers within those numbers that tell us even more, give us even more context about what's happening on the floor. So that's what we're trying to do when Corey does his presentation every night on the broadcast is just give us a little more context, a little more texture, a little more, understanding of the trends and and things that are happening in front of us from a a numerical standpoint. Yeah. Did you kind of going back to Sean Lee for a a minute, did you get kind of towards the end of his, you know, life and his time here as an, because obviously he had his like big retirement ceremony at the last game of uh, last season, kind of towards the end, did you get the sense? Cause you were, you were just saying a little bit earlier that, uh, he would always tell you, hey, don't screw this up. And he would always kind of be a little bit hard on you. Did you kind of get the sense well, towards the end that he was, that he, he thought you were, you know, doing the job justice and doing, you know, he was, he, he, liked the job he, he would, uh, well, no, I mean, Bill wasn't throwing me bouquets or anything, which was fine. I, uh-huh. yeah, that's cool. I, you know, I, that you was, know, that deep down the respect was there. And sure. the respect was, that's all I needed. But yeah. No, when he would lean in and say, don't screw it up, that was the respect. That's right. exactly what I needed to hear was, don't screw it <laughs> It was like, make your free throws, don't screw it up. Right. No, he uh, he was always very gracious. You know, he, he'd, he'd always come in with some sarcastic comment about the team or the opposition or something. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he still kept up with everything oh, with and absolutely. i and i have to say i only i only ever had a handful of 
conversations with him over the years. I didn't know him that well, but like, yeah. you know, he would be, you know, he would always be, I've only been back here since, you know, 17. I was in Chicago before that, but I've only been back here for like, what, five, six years now. So, but he was always kind of be around and physically, obviously, you know, by the end, you know, you could tell that his health was kind of declining. He was walking with a cane, all that kind of yeah. stuff. You could tell that he was the age that he was, but Right up until, not only just like every conversation I ever had with him in the media room, but right up until that last day of last season when he had the big ceremony and then he gave a little press conference for us beforehand, I found him mentally to be just as sharp as he ever was. Like that part of it yeah. never really went away at all, even no. right, right up to the end. No, he was, uh, he was lucid. There's no doubt about that. Um, you know, and his mobility, of course, that... Right. Uh, that... That was an issue. He had the hip. I think Kerry Eggers was telling me that he had the hip replacement done in October, and that's just because the pain was just uh, yeah. excruciating. And then I don't think that ever abated either, the pain. Uh, I was able to go over and see him, actually, a couple of weeks before he passed. And uh, he was bedridden at the time. But right. Dottie told me that he could get up, you know, occasionally. But for the most part, she was – and Kevin, the caretaker, was having to take care of him as well. And – um uh, he, but he, I remember he was, he was just kind of laying there napping and I walk in and I didn't want to disturb him. And right. so I sat there and he, he woke up, he knew somebody was in his presence. He woke up and, and, you know, um, we started talking blazer basketball, you know, it's, he wanted to talk hoops and he was still know. watching. He was still up on everything. Absolutely. You know, what do you, what do you think of the club? What do we need to do? You know, yeah. what's, what's next? What, what happens? You know, that type of thing. So. It was good. And then he'd, he'd doze off and I'd walk out, talk to Dottie a little bit and then go back in. So I, you know, I had about a 15 minute visit with Bill and uh, I knew that was more likely going to be the last time I'd see him. So yeah. that was, that was, that was rough, but yeah. you know, it's my mom's 93 and she's still doing extremely well. She's lucid that's and great. so forth. Yeah. Uh, and that's, that's, that's just unfortunate. You know, the, the, the mind is still sharp as can be, but yeah. the, you know, the body's just given, given away around you. Yeah, when some when when somebody gets to be that age, you kind of just know that he lived. Look, he lived a full full life. Absolutely, I don't think he has any regrets about anything. And I'm also I'm also really glad that he decided to retire officially when he did, and they did the ceremony for him, and he was able to get that happening. They have that happen for him while he was still alive, and not you know us talking about like oh, you know, he died and then we should have done something like this for him. Like, yeah. I'm, gl- I'm, gl- I'm glad that he got to see that. I'm glad that got to happen. No, he was still around. Kudos to the organization and ownership and, and everybody buying in on that and putting that together. And Todd Bosman, you know, who, who yeah. does a lot of that stuff, all the stuff. In Those guys do such a good job with everything. They did a great the job best. with Dame's, you know, scoring record the a few weeks ago. Best. Like, you know, and, and Lamar, you know, talking about Lamar Hurd, he was the one that uh, uh, introed and, and emceed uh, Bill's Both of those things, yeah. And, he's and so it just good did that, an yeah. incredible job of uh, introducing uh, Damian Lillard after he had broken the, the scoring mark uh, and, and uh, doing that terrific impromptu uh, introduction of, of Dame. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, you, boy, you just run into so many talented people when you're doing these broadcasts and you're being around the arena. It's just, it's kind of overwhelming when you think about it. It really is. And another one of those guys that I want to talk about a little bit. I you know, this is, I realize this is going to be kind of a downer podcast, but it's been kind of a downer <laughs> in the Blazers organization, you know, on and off the court. But, uh, somebody that, you know, I, I knew quite well and you knew as well being part of the broadcast team that probably a lot of 
people who aren't on our end of the industry don't know as much as they know Bill is John Curry, who passed away uh, about a week ago, very unexpectedly. That was like, like, like we were saying with Bill, you know, he was 93. We all kind of knew he wasn't doing great health wise. We all kind of were braced for that one. But the thing with John Curry, that was just completely out of nowhere. And, you know, you're starting to see all this stuff. Like the organization did a moment of silence for him before the Spurs game the other night. And he was a guy that, you know, you're going to, you know, you hear a lot of stuff about, like, he was just always the nicest guy, he never missed a day of work, and he was always, you know, he was the, for those of you who don't know, he was the one of the camera operators, and he had been with the organization for almost 40 years, yeah. and just everybody knew him, and he, you know, he would always talk to anybody, he was just one of those guys that, like, was nice to everybody, and was just great to talk to, I'm, I, I'm just, you know, I want, I want, I want to bring, I wanted to bring him up, too. Camera six. Um... Four. Camera four, I'm sorry. Yeah, it was four. Down on down on the baseline. Uh-huh. Uh, right next to the goal stanchion, where all the action happens, where yeah. everyone is running into you uh night after night. And I, that was the last time <clears throat> I talked to Curry was after uh oh geez, one of those home games. Maybe it was the Mavericks game. Uh yeah. he, he just got hammered. Uh and you could see the welt on his face. <laughs> you know, the eyepiece had like hit him and, and but yeah, yeah. He, somehow these guys. That was like a nightly thing for him, though. Oh, it's a nightly thing, and he's been doing it for thirty-nine years, and like all the all the shots he's taken over the years, you know. Uh-huh. It's, uh, at some point, I'm going to ask the guys. Maybe they've got it out there, and I haven't seen it, but just to put together a uh, a collection of the the Curry hits. I mean, because he took some shots down there. I mean, they all these guys do, and it's it's remarkable the way that they are able to to bob right. You know, it's almost like they're on a. Uh, little bouncy ball there they just bounce straight back up and they they somehow get themselves together for the next shot and they get it done uh but that was the last time i talked to him i was like man that was that was a doozy (laughs) he just laugh you know but he was always at the arena before anybody uh you know the crews get there hours and hours in advance and he would always have that camera set up uh in the media room or you and i all the media going here both coaches and he's you know he's got that thing set up and uh, and then he does the post, and he does the whole game, and then does the post game stuff as well, when they bring the players and the coaches and everyone in. So, uh, yeah, I didn't really get to know John that well, um, but I always appreciated the work that he did and the interchanges that I had with him. And I know it just it it just took the heart out of our crew. Uh, yeah. So you know, there those last two games were were tough. I mean, the Laker lost for obvious reasons. For right. Everybody. That was just such a downer. And then, of course, you know, we're, we wanted to do the presentation well. And we present uh, did the presentation for Bill uh, on that that night. The Blazers played the Lakers and uh, and covered the Curry story as well. And then devoted. I thought it was great that the I guys think it was the right way, way decided to then down. to devote a whole nother program to to John Curry. Yeah. So. While I've got you, I know you've got a little production meeting to get to at noon, but switching to some on-court stuff for a little bit, what, what do you think is kind of responsible for this tailspin that the Blazers are in right now as somebody uh, who knows a team better than probably anybody? Boy, it's 